Welcome to the seven and a half floor of the Merton Flummer Building. As you'll now be spending your workday here, it is important that you learn a bit about the history of this famous floor. Welcome to Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute, the daily podcast in which we crouch under the oppressively low ceilings of the film being John Malkovich, one minute at a time. I am your host, Austin Pryor, and here to finish up the week with me from Trainspotting Minute by Minute is Ben Bostock. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> We've been at this so long. I'll try and do the whole podcast like this. No, mm. not really. Um, yes, I'm here again. <laughs> that's my that's my intro. <laughs> <laughs> you sound you sound like a rapper. Oh yes. <laughs> Come on, everybody. Today we take a look at minute ten of being John Malkovich. Minute ten starts with Craig examining another listings board in the Merton Flemmer building and ends one minute later with Floris mishearing the word yes as chest, which seems <laughs> unlikely. Uh, <laughs> um, so this 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 one minute really sort of interested me because I think this ties into something that uh, was very prevalent around this time. It's not so much what what the film is about, but I think it's sort of uh, there was something generally in the air at that time. For some reason, in I guess the year nineteen ninety nine, or to some degree, a lot of the the late nineties American cinema, a lot yeah. of them seemed to be based in these sort of same office situations. So yeah. you had like you had you had the Matrix with um, with you know Keanu starting off Very in the good. office. Yeah, yeah. You had um, Fight Club is all about Ed Norton, our narrator, sort of you know begrudging his sort of miserable day-to-day existence. The, yeah. the the big example, of course, would be Office Space. Which yes, is, shout out to Office Space Minutes. Ah, uh, yes, which is just... Well, the whole thing is just about that sort of... the ennui of that environment yeah. and that workplace. And and then you have this, which, like I say, the film's... It's not really... Not to say that the film is, is about the sort of... the ennui of office life or anything. It's about, no, but uh, it's... It's sort of... Yeah, it's a motif. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's sort of... I was looking into it, and I think it's something to do with the fact that sort of there was this period, um, particularly from like mainly the nineties, really, in America, which was things weren't perfect, but there was sort of a brief sense of economic prosperity and peace. Yeah, there wasn't yeah. there wasn't any big war conflicts. There was no big international incidents to worry about. Yes, that wouldn't yeah. come until obviously two thousand one. But um, yeah. I think there was a sense that sort of the American sort of ideal, or the American, or particularly the sort of nuclear family ideal had reached its peak had reached its zenith as yes. it were and i think that's why you ended up with films like particularly films that deal with this more directly like fight club or office space where it's sort of like the american and it's said the american male but i guess this can apply to anyone who works yeah. in the office really finds themselves at that point where things are basically fine-ish like yeah they're stable they've got money they've got family they've got a, a partner who who probably loves them but it's yeah. just like where where do you go from there and i think that sort of being john malkovich particularly these early scenes in the office it, there's a bit more of a surreal slant on them because of course you've got the low ceiling and you've got the yeah bizarre behavior of the staff which we'll, we'll probably get into in a moment but um <laughs> it almost feels like i don't think this was intentional because like a lot of these films came out in the same year so i think there's just something in the water at that time i guess definitely but yeah it's yeah. like a it's like a sub subversion of that to a, a worryingly we we use the word dream logic a lot in the previous one, but it's yeah. sort of that same thing of just like um it's 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 a hard thing to, to put your finger on. 
Yeah, and uh, just other examples are coming to mind as well. I mean, of course, 1999 is kind of regarded as a, an important year for cinema and a lot of things hit. Yeah. And uh, another one is American Beauty, which oh, doesn't God, have a huge yes. amount in the office, but the bits in the office at the start are very key. Sam Mendes made sure to put columns of text on the screen to make it look like jail bars. Um, yeah. And uh, that was one of the little motifs in the movie and showing the prison of the office life. And uh, yeah. yeah, so like it, it's definitely, I'm just trying to think of other films that came out in 1999. American Beauty I definitely have, um, falls into that category. Yeah, yeah. And Fight Club does so much about office language and office culture and yeah. and, and breaking out of it. And then um, The Phantom Menace, of course, has uh, lots of <laughs> scenes. Uh, while, <laughs> well, while uh, for a Star Wars movie, it has a lot of admin in it. In that's fairness. true. A lot of ta- yeah, it does. taxation and trade routes. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. The other one, is, I think, is Wild Wild West as well. <laughs> the, the bit where Will Smith fights the giant spider. Yeah, but there was an office in the back room of that spider, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kev- Kevin Klein had his own little... Mini desk yeah, I think he did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I was. It, 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 there is sort of like um, you, you could probably do this for any pick any sort of random year, and you'll find something that it's not as if people got together and said like this is the the theme of art, as it were. But yeah. there was just something that was just in the air about that time, and I guess that ninety nine was the point where. There was also a lot of anxiety as well about the fact that, like I say, the sort of the crushing of the nuclear family ideal that had been originated in the 50s, which everyone yeah. had grown up to become. The, the the idealistic kids of the 50s and 60s had grown up to become the cynical adults of the, of the 80s and 90s yes, and, and yes. saw it for, for basically just what it was, which was a pipe dream. But we get to um, this little back and forth he has with... With Florence, Florence. yeah. <laughs> which is i mean really silly humor of her uh not not uh understanding what she's saying but just so well pulled off yeah, and the well. acting a- acted with such conviction you know welcome to lester corp how may we meet your filing needs no no um my name is craig schwartz and i have an interview with dr lester oh uh please have a seat mr juarez schwartz Pardon? Schwartz. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I have no idea what you're saying to me right now. My name is Schwartz. My name is Schwartz. It's, it's sort of like, it, 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 it's um, it's that classic sort of, it's not quite reminiscent of it, but it's sort of like that classic style of comedy that someone, you might see in something like, you know, Abbott and Costello or something like that, yeah. or where, where all the best comedy is based on sort of, misunderstandings yeah yeah and, well it, uh, it is like it is it's very like sketch comedy this the writing oh, yeah. here you know yeah, totally. and he came from a sitcom background you know charlie kaufman came from a sitcom background so it's like to get yeah, a life was the, was the show he did or am i misquoting that? get a life yeah, yeah yeah he was um but one of the staff writers on that yeah it's, it's meant to be a great show and um a big influence on the simpsons because once get a life got cancelled a lot of the writers went from that to The Simpsons. But um, Floris is, uh, is it Mary Kay Place is the actress? Yeah, so Mary Kay Place, she has a whole history, um, you know, outside of this movie. I was never aware of her and I still really can't 
place her in anything else. I know I've seen her in other things and I'd have to kind of watch them again to kind of fully connect with the fact that it's her. It's another, oh, it's that actress situation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but she was in, she came to prominence and I think this might be where, you know, she came to the awareness of maybe Charlie Kaufman or maybe um, Spike Jones. but she was in um, a Norman Lear sitcom called Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Um, not heard of that I've not seen yeah I hadn't heard it Uh, I hadn't heard of it I went a little bit down the rabbit hole of it in my research it was a satirical soap opera so it ran daily like a soap opera but the it looked more like a sitcom I mean a sitcom and a soap opera don't look a million miles away from each other visually anyway but there was no laugh track on it, um, so it was just really weird to see. So it was like a very... parody of a soap opera sort of setting. It it was, but it was, but it just it had a real sitcom feel to it without the the laugh track, which is just mm. really alien to watch something of that vintage. The vintage in question is uh, it ran from January nineteen seventy six to May nineteen seventy seven. There's two seasons of it, and in that period. <laughs> They broadcast 325 episodes. So it really was, it really was done to a daily, it's done to the schedule of this very podcast, uh, five days a week, as as far as I understand. That's like a soap opera schedule where, exactly, yeah. Like sometimes two a week or three a week. Yeah. They just just blast out, just pump them out, you know. Um, I I imagine then, in that sense, I I, I admittedly am not familiar with the show, but from the sounds of it, it sounds like she, she might understand the tone of, what this film is going for that kind yeah. of ironic detached not detached but you know like sort of offbeat element as it definitely were. yeah yeah and they've got people with comedy chops and we come on to orson bean next week who you don't get to see in your minutes here so mary Kay place didn't play the titular mary hartman in mary hartman mary hartman yeah <laughs> uh, she played uh mary's glamorous country singing friend loretta haggers who's kind of like had the big hair and the dolly and parton, the, dolly parton yeah, kind yeah. of a kind of a, a take but yeah it turns out that mary Kay place has released three albums on columbia records oh, one wow. in character as loretta haggers so there was like a <laughs> a tie-in album um, where she did it in her... And I've just seen some clips on YouTube and she's very... Yeah, she's really good and very oh. funny in the role, but she's a very different type of part. And, of course, she's doing the uh, the kind of southern accent. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, so you can kind of see where her comedy chops come in and why she was hired for this. And her turn in this movie gets better as it goes along. I mean, this is a great, you know, intro. It's very silly, but... Um, yeah, and... and uh is uh, John Cusack? I, I I keep talking about how how great he is, but he's, oh, he's very good at doing. The be my of, guest. He's very good at doing the. Um, he's an annoyed, but he's he's too polite and sort of like it's shy and insular to really display it. But you can hear mm. the annoyance in his voice sort of come out. It's like no, it's Swartz. Like yeah. just the slight assertiveness, but not. Not fully. He's still passive yeah. enough where... And he'll just, he'll drop it. I'll just, I'll just go yeah. and sit there. Yeah. <laughs> I think he does what most of us would do, where it's just like, oh, you know what? Yeah. It. <laughs> you know what? yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, and uh, like I say, it's, as, as you were saying before, it's a shame. Uh, I'm not going to get into the, the next scene where he does the interview, because that, that is a very, very good it's great stuff. scene. Yeah. And uh, you like, like I say, that's the other thing about this film. It's, it's 
I think people, when they talk about it, they'll they'll talk about the obviously the philosophies behind it and the intentions behind it. But I think a lot of people forget how funny it is. Like it really is. It's a good comedy if if you want to look oh, at it in that man, sense. Oh man, it's hilarious! Yeah, the, yeah. A, I mean, a, it's, a very it, black, surreal, odd yeah, comedy, yeah. but comedy nonetheless. But I did have a friend who discussed it as a, a horror film, and uh, yeah. said, "Oh, I haven't seen a good horror since uh, I don't know, being John Malkovich, maybe." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and uh, she was over at my house, and we ended up watching it. I was just like. It's a comedy. It's hilarious. She said, what? And I was asking her, you know, why do you think it's a horror? And she said, I don't know. Somebody being in your head and uh, the awful things that are done to him and stuff. I was just like, yeah, I, I, I guess so. But uh, we watched it and, and we were all, you know, laughing our asses off <laughs> and stuff. But it's just, it's it's certainly the type of comedy that doesn't signpost itself too heavily. No. You do have to be kind of tuned in to comedy sensibilities. It's not like... The hilarious hit comedy of the year, you know. Adam Sandler in Being John Malkovich. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's not that, but it is, it's much funnier than the vast majority of movies that it are like, out-and-out comedies. Yeah. I think that's the sign of a really, really, of a, of a very good, intelligent film where two people, like you and your friend, can watch it and one can see a horror and one can see a comedy. Yes. That, that to me, is, 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 a, is a great example of, of how... It should work on it. Although I had a similar thing with um, my favourite film of all time, which isn't Trainspotting. Oh, uh, it is in fact. Do tell. Yeah, Trainspotting's one of my third. My favourite would probably be. I know that not a lot of people like this one, but it's mine for all my sins, and it's The Devils by Ken Russell. I won't obviously won't go on too much about it on the Malkovich podcast, but please do, please do. Well, it's um, it's basically a film about it, Oliver Reed's in it and Vanessa Redgrave. It's from 1971. Of course. And it's about a nun who becomes obsessed with this priest. She becomes sexually obsessed with him to the point where she, as an act of revenge because the priest, um, Grandier, played by Oliver Reed, falls in love with someone else. And yeah. she lies to the church and basically says that the priest demonically possessed her and several of the nuns and that he's part of a demonic convent and oh. the people who sort of run the town like cardinal richelieu and uh, sort of the spanish inquisition and all that who nobody expects yeah. um they uh <laughs> they they don't like grandier anyway because he's a very he's almost more of a politician than a priest he's he's very upstanding he opposes the sort of purges of the protestants throughout the land you know that was going on at right the time. right so they basically use that as an excuse to destroy him and they fake this whole the the grand set piece of the film is a scene where all the nuns pretend to be possessed and they just fucking lose their shit and they strip off and there's a very very controversial scene where they tear down a statue of Jesus and start having their way with it right, and right. um the reason I, the reason I bring it up is because to, I've shown the film to several people and They've all reacted in different ways. Like um, I just, like, I just, uh, just sorry. As soon on. as you said that, I'm just imagining your like private screening room <laughs> with all like you're in some kind of fetish gear <laughs> and showing. I've shown the film. Well, there is to, a, to there several is a people. You're you're not just talking to people who've seen it. You're showing them. There you is know. a lock on the door, uh, and there, uh, there is there is, a, there is a smell, but we're trying to get rid of that. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> It's not, it's not, but it's like everyone has some kind of different reaction to it because it, because it juggles mm. all these weird tones. Like within scenes, it'll go from being this horrific film about nuns being pretending to be possessed and being exploited by these horrible people, and then it'll just yeah. become a knockabout comedy, um, and then it'll become this love story between Grandier and the woman he falls in love with. And mm. the reason I bring it up is because I think that that's a sign of a very intelligent 
filmmaker, a very intelligent film that that can juggle. I don't. I'm not really fond of films that have one label to them. Like, uh, yeah. Like if if yeah. you ask me what genre being John Malkovich was, I have to say I'd probably be quite hard pressed to give you an answer. It kind of does a lot of things and defies a lot of things. For, for me, I would definitely come down on comedy. I would like that's that's what I would categorize. Oh, it's definitely it as. it's definitely comedic in many places, but it's also it's also a, a kind of a, it's a love story in its own way. You could call it a comedy drama because it's mm. played straight and acted straight and shot in a way that would be more suited to a drama or more traditionally yeah. associated with a drama and everything like that. I'm comfortable calling it a comedy, but most comedies are really bright visually yes. and just uh, acted a certain way and all the you know. So it definitely doesn't slot neatly into the genre, but no, but but it's there. Yeah, yeah, it, and it, and and like and like your friend said, it could be a horror film in places because the idea yeah. is the idea is if 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 that was actually a thing in real life, that would be horrific and disturbing. Absolutely horrific. And yeah. if you really want to stretch, you could even say it was slightly sci-fi. Because it is quite a crazy idea. Yeah, it's a speculative idea. It's not too crazy to, to call it science fiction because it starts with a, a what if question. Mm. And what if there was a portal into somebody's mind? The, where, where it deviates from science fiction is there is mercifully little explanation and exploration of the mechanics of the portal and how it they, works. They sort of slightly touch on it near the end. When, they do when she meets the in, couple. In they don't, just for a couple of plot points. Yeah, but, but they don't. It. They don't like break it down and step by step and say no. this is how it it came to be. It's just accepted that this is a thing that exists in the world of this film. You know? Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that brings us to the end not only of uh, today's outing but uh, of the whole week with your good self, Ben. Yes, did you have a good time? I did, I did have a good time. Very, very, very sad almost to be leaving now, but I did have a good time. And I will say this as well: is yeah. that I'm, I'm, I'm very glad because I, as I was saying to you before we did this, I haven't actually seen this film probably in about maybe fifteen or ten years. Yeah, so a long, 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 long time ago. All I, all I knew about it was that um, it was a crazy head swappy film of John Malkovich. Mm. <laughs> so actually, getting to properly really properly watch it again and really start right. to think about it and start to engage with it is it was was it was it was a real treat it really was it was it was uh because it, it's one of those films i'm sure you'll probably agree it's the film it, that after you're done watching it if it, it has to stick with you doesn't Definitely. it like yeah. i was yeah. i was i was thinking about various stuff in it and various themes and ideas for a good few hours and i think that if if you not come away from it um with some reaction any film, I mean, I think it's done something wrong. Whether the reaction is this film is amazing or what the hell was that? I didn't understand it. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like, but as long as you have, as long as it's done that to you in some way, whether it's positive or negative, I think that's the sign of a very yeah. successful film. Yeah, I mean, it it burrowed its way into my brain the first time I saw it, and it's never gone away. Like you, I hadn't seen it in so many years, but it just kind of amazed me going back to it just how many elements of it have remained in my head on repeat yeah. for the intervening decades, you know? Very fitting for a film like this about Absolutely.
Yeah, so just a reminder for the audience, where would you like to direct them for your quality podcast wares? If you enjoy the sounds of a northern man talking about films, then you can find me <laughs> Trainspotting Minute by Minute. Uh, we're called At By Trainspotting on Twitter. There you go. And, uh, it's, and it's really good. And yes, and I'm very good at plugging my own stuff. <laughs> it's really good, that. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, what I say, that's what I say when people ask what, me, when I told my friends I'm making a podcast. Oh, what's it about? Uh, just stuff, things. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <Right>. You know. <laughs> Self-promotion is a uh, is an art and not an easy one to master, it's especially a... for people. I think I think the Americans find it a bit easier. Oh, yes. We're, we're a bit more... We're too, poli- we're too polite and repressed and modest. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, hopefully you don't have too nasty of a landing and uh, hopefully you get spat out somewhere that suits you. Well, land, land, me, land me on my back this time. <laughs> I, I make no promises. <laughs> Thanks for being here. See you next time. Likewise. And so ends week two of Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute. Speaking as we just were of self-promotion and its challenges, I want you to tell a friend about this podcast. Send them to MalkovichMinute.net where they can find links to subscribe to the podcast on any platform they want, including, you know, RSS, the open web. Just saying. Maybe there's no need to sacrifice all your personal data just to listen to somebody talk about a movie. As well as links to social media and good old email. So, MalkovichMinute.net. Malkovich is M-A-L-K-O-V-I-C-H. Minute is minute. Dot net is dot net. Thank you very much for listening. See you next week. Malkovich Minute.